0: What's going on? Welcome to another episode of the If You Mark in Your Bible podcast. My name is Josh, your host, and today we are looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 9 through 14. Before we begin, I want to ask our audience to do us a solid like, share, and subscribe this issue. Share with your friends, tell your friends about it, and go to our social media accounts and give us a follow and a like and all that good stuff over there. Help the channel grow, help the podcast grow, and help it get out to more people. As mentioned earlier, we are looking at Ecclesiastes 12 verses 9 through 14, and with me today we have my friend and another classmate at the Mur- at the Memphis School of Preaching, Mr. Ben Williams, the preacher of the Murray City Church of Christ in Murray City, Tennessee. Ben, go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience, please.
1: Uh hey Josh. As Josh said, my name is Benny Williams and I am the minister out here at the Murray City Church of Christ. Uh my wife, Brittany, uh and then I, we have two boys, Carson and Charlie. And it's a great privilege to be here on the uh podcast here with you today, Josh. Looking forward to uh being able to dive into God's word.
0: Appreciate it. Uh, again, thank you for being on. We have the uh MSOP class of twenty twenty three. Highest grade, grade point average. uh, Yeah, yeah. uh, We're (laughs) in for a treat. Oh, (laughs) you know it. (laughs) Uh, No, but very confident in Ben and and his knowledge. So uh, just to give a brief context, a context of the passage, Ecclesiastes, um, I, I feel like, just my personal belief, we don't know exactly when it was written, but I think this was written at the end of the life of Solomon. Uh, We know chapter 1 and verse 1, it was written by Solomon. I remember Solomon uh, was given the option uh, by God, what he would choose. He chose wisdom. He chose wisely uh, in choosing wisdom, and God blessed him with uh, not only wisdom, but with uh, earthly wealth and so forth, and uh, unfortunately, uh Solomon didn't always make wise decisions which we'll talk about here in uh just a little bit uh but I think Ecclesiastes is probably more than likely uh an older man looking back at his life and then imparting uh said wisdom uh onto uh those who who would read, obviously by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He begins this chapter with remember that creator in the days of I youth youth almost as if he is telling those behind him uh, learn the lessons I learned in life while you are still young so that you can enjoy life and your life will have a greater purpose uh, in doing so. And so uh, that brings us into verse nine. He he closes verse 8 by saying, vanity, vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity, talking about the the thing uh, under this earth. And then he goes into verse 9, and we'll just read verse 9 and 10 and get into it. It says, beside being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. What do you got there, Ben?
1: Well, looking there in, in verse 9, again, I, I like the way, um, I know the King James has more over, but yes, the, besides, in addition to being wise, uh, he's going to be teaching these individuals. And that's kind of, uh, I know different people have different keys for how they mark their Bible, but he still taught uh, the people knowledge. So the idea they're training people uh, verbally, uh, it seems that way. I know he did uh, write, you can go to First Kings chapter 4, uh, looking at verses 32 through 34 that, uh, you know, he was written over or he spake 3,000 proverbs and he wrote 1,005 songs. So all these things, but even in verse 34, it says that people came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. So, you know, and again, as we're going to make note, the queen of Sheba, she hears of Solomon and she's going to come. And I believe the King James says she proves or tests him, asking him hard questions there in First Kings chapter 10. 1 through 29, that whole chapter there dealing with that. But yeah, could you imagine even the Queen of Sheba saying that uh, the people were able to listen to Solomon in the court and even as we have the re- records of him being in the court and judging things and making rules I mean, to be able to listen to him. But yeah, um he taught the people, uh, being able to orally teach them and even having these Proverbs written down that we have recorded for us. But the idea here and, and linking these two verses together, he gave good heed and sought out. You know, that's great. The, the ASV, I think, has that good heed as pondered. He, he weighed these things. And uh, so he was searching diligently for these Proverbs to teach these individuals. And, you know, even Josh, you and I, we not that we're teaching Proverbs, but we do diligently seek. And obviously we want to go through God's word and we're trying to get as much as we can. And again, tying that in with verse 10. You know, he sought out acceptable words. He's seeking these acceptable words, these desirable, pleasant words. But not only, you know, I, and my mind went to Second Timothy 4, not not those like 3 and 4, not to have itching ears of those kind of desiring words. But it says the, that they were written as they were upright, words of truth. And how great that is that uh, when we go to God's word, looking at that and the inspired word of God, we say this is. I want to, I want to learn, right? Teach me these, these acceptable words and they're, they're upright. They're truth. Um, I believe, I believe it was Kyle and Litch I was reading there. It says he strove according to his best knowledge and conscience to write true words at the same time, also to find out pleasing words, thus sought to connect truth as to the manner with beauty as to the manner. So again, you and I, we're, we're diligently seeking, we're pulling these, uh, verses out of the Bible and saying, listen, let's, you know, we're going to build a sermon. Uh, here's the context of what we're looking at. But, you know, we're, we're showing the beauty in God's word as well, uh, even though, uh, you know, we're wanting to find the acceptable words, even though sometimes, unfortunately, uh, they're not accepted uh, sometimes, but we're looking for that. We're trying to say it in love, right? Ephesians 4, 15, uh, speaking, preaching the truth in love. So we're trying to find those acceptable ways of telling individuals what God's word has said.
0: Excellent. I underlined that that phrase at the beginning, being wise or besides being wise. Yeah. And I put the note next to that. I put wisdom from God, 1 Kings chapter 3, and that's where uh, God gives him the option and he chooses wisdom. Uh, but I put wisdom from God, 1 Kings chapter 3, and experience. And I oh, put yeah. chapter 2. Uh, because essentially Ecclesiastes is making the point when you when you consider Solomon's life, uh, particularly from chapter two, he he self-indulged. He, he he says there was nothing that I wanted or that I saw or that I desired that I withheld from myself. You and I, for example, and I'm this is just an assumption on my part for on your case, I can say it about me, but I've never had a billion dollars a multiple, <laughs> much less <laughs> multiple billions. Right. Uh And so while I can read God's word and I can impart to people that when all said and done, even if you had billions of dollars and you go Matthew sixteen twenty six and and utter the words of Jesus, you know, what did prophet profit of man if man should gain? The whole world loses his own soul. I can teach those things from a godly wisdom standpoint but I can't teach them from an experience standpoint. I can't say if you have a billion dollars in the grand scheme of things, it means nothing because I, I, not from experience. Now it's a truthful statement, but it's a statement that I'm relying upon God in order to make not myself. Solomon, however, had that type of rich. If you look at the history of the richest people and you were to put their Their wealth in two thousand twenty three numbers, number two on that list would be Rockefeller at around a little over six hundred billion dollars. Solomon would be number one on that list at an estimate of two point one trillion, three times what number two has. So if anybody, anyone in this entire world could tell you that the riches of this world mean nothing apart from Jesus solomon is the guy who can tell you trust me i've lived it and it means nothing so that's i like that for besides being wise not only from god but also from the experience that he has perk up because this is the subject matter expert of having everything you want in this world and he just he, he he looks at it as it's all vanity it's useless uh, and so uh, I like that. I like that you pointed out the way weigh- the English standard says weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs. First, Thessalonians five one. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Uh, Acts 17, 11, the noble in search the scriptures, data to see if these things were so. Uh, I like that. Uh, I'm with you 100 percent on uh, verse 10. I just put the note outside of verse 10. The goal of all Christians, uh, specifically us as preachers uh words of delight uh and then words of truth i underline both of those things and i put romans 12 and verse 18 as much as is in you live peaceably with all men and i say that because truthful words are not always pleasantly received if that makes sense sometimes and it shouldn't be i mean the If we're living lives that are contradiction to God's word and someone preaches truthfully from God's word, then there are going to be things that step on our toes, hurt our feelings, make us a little upset, uh, and so forth, stir up emotion. But that doesn't mean that the way in which I deliver the words should bring forth that reaction. And uh, I'm reminded of of men like Stephen in in Acts chapter 7. Uh he called uh called his audience a stiff necked generation. But at the same so he was very direct and very blunt with his message, very truthful with his message, but then you go to the end of that chapter when they've taken him out to stone him, and he's praying that that sin not be laid on their behalf. And and I think you see a good balance of those two. A man who was very direct in his statement but still loved his audience enough. Uh, that that was his mentality. Jesus, same thing, you know, brood of vipers, uh, whitewashed tomb, hypocrites I all know. the time. I mean, he called uh, the Pharisees and the religious leaders these things, very direct and very straightforward and and, and potent with his message, yet at the same time, Matthew twenty three thirty seven cries over Jerusalem uh, because they, they rejected him, seeks forgiveness for him as he hangs on the cross, Uh, and still to this day has the same, uh, love for those individuals, uh, that he did. So, uh, I think there's, there's from an audience perspective, we, we, and I'm just talking about we humanity get things twisted, you know, one, if, if we're going to be truthful, we got to be rude and crass and, and with our direct nature. But if we're going to bring words of the light, then we have to be accepting and condoning of everything. And that's not the case. And that's what Solomon is pointing out here. There's a very, uh, there's a middle ground in which we can lie. And I circled that word up rightly. And if you look at it from the Hebrew perspective, uh, the word means to adhere to a moral standard. And that's what guided his words. And that's not only what guided his words, but also guided the attitude in which he delivered those words and so i'm glad you pointed it out because that's uh right on you have anything else on those two verses
1: yeah just just a quick comment you'd made earlier too uh that he said he still taught the people knowledge and i think about it kind of what you were hitting on in proverbs 21:11. doing a little research for this you know it says when the scorner is punished the simple is made wise and when the wise is instructed he receiveth knowledge so like you said unfortunately today it seems like, or at least you know, uh, in the short time that I've been doing some of this, but again, I, I'm, I'm telling you the truth, and it's not like you were kind of coming at it. It's not that I'm an arrogant person or I'm a self righteous. I'm mightier than that. It's just this is what the truth is, and uh, we want that knowledge. But unfortunately, today it seems like individuals take more of an attack instead of instruction. Okay, this is what the Bible tells me to do. This is what I need to be. Changing my life for it's more why are you attacking me why are you they they're not seeking that knowledge I guess in a way uh mm-hmm. it's more of an acceptance, kind of like what you were touching on there accept me uh and and let's go on with it but again there's a there's a standard a rule like I said the upright right that that borrower setting. And it's the words of truth. And you can't go past that, right? John 17, 17, uh, thy words are truth. That is it. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't mean to get onto to it like that. But, you know, sometimes today, you know, what is truth, right? Everybody's got their own. So but when right. we look at that, look at that attitude and say, here, look, this is the truth. And here's the correction. Now gain knowledge in that. Uh, right. And as, as you pointed out too, here, Solomon, like you said, hey, buddy, I've been there. I've tried all this. I know this. This is what I'm telling you. It's the truth. So,
0: right. I find that no, too. Great point, and obviously something needed in a uh, very postmodernistic society for sure. Right. Verse 11: The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd uh a goad obviously is a uh, essentially just a stick with a sharp point on the end if you're plowing the fields and your ox starts to get off path uh you stick it with the goad and and and, and fix it correct uh, its direction nails firmly fixed i can relate to that uh between uh before i you know moved to memphis my son and I were building and we were fixing our fence. We were repairing our fence and and essentially was just digging up the posts, putting in metal posts and then rebuilding the fence altogether. If you ever built a fence, a picket fence, you know that not all those pickets uh come straight. I mean, there's a, there's quite a bit of bow but you know i can straighten any board out you give me enough nails and screws man and (laughs) yeah and that's the thought here this is this is exactly it nails firmly fixed it's even though there was some bow in that wood when you stuck it against those planks and you put enough screws in it you eventually straighten it out and that's what he's saying he's saying that these the words of the wise keep us on the right path and and i just drew a circle from uh, that, those, that was essentially verse 11, uh, at least the first half of verse 11. And I just drew that arrow up to uprightly. In other words, uh, he, he said these things uh, adhering to a moral standard. That moral standard's given by the one shepherd, the one shepherd there being God. Uh, and if, if we allow it, then it will keep us on the straight path. And, and so, uh, I also put, and this is a question, and I, I don't know this for sure, but I just put: Are these words of regret in 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 the words of Solomon? Is he saying that he shouldn't have? And then there's a list of things is he shouldn't have taken foreign wives for alliance sake, rather than leaning on God to protect him from these nations. Uh, should he not have kept stables of horses, which was uh, a direct conflict to Deuteronomy chapter 17? Should he not have erected idols and temples uh, and practiced idolatry, which has eventually led uh, to the the separation or the splitting of the kingdom between north and south? Uh, And should he not have left God for self-indulgence? And it's almost as if, as he said, I get the tone here of some regret of what he should have done in his youth. Uh, when he makes these points, I should have continued on because he, you remember he asked for wisdom. It pleased God. He received everything. Uh, the instance where the, the two women come with the, the baby and he, you know, uses that wisdom to render righteous judgment in that case. You know, he started off for lack of a better term. He started off hot. I mean, he was, he was, yeah. he was doing good. Uh, and then he, he swayed and I wonder if. If he's saying out of regret, I should have stayed with the wisdom that David, his father, told him to rely upon, uh, and and avoided a lot of heartache. What do you have on eleven?
1: Yeah, that's great points there, Josh. I, I love this verse. Uh, doing some research and studying on this, right? And like you like you were talking about, we we've, we've heard that terminology, the goads, the ox goad, uh, you know, correcting me. But, you know, the words of the wise, and like you said, tying that back, not just, not just any words, right? The words of the wise, uh, they're correcting me. And, and one man I was reading, it said, you know, you said they were fastened, and I like that illustration about the fence, it said, the words were fastened in my memory like nails. So, so these, the words of the wisdom, and, and you may be onto something there, Josh, you know, you can, you can think of Solomon. He knew all this stuff, right? And he knew mm-hmm. where he was at. And kind of like you were saying, and, Having that fastened in my mind and thinking, I remember, you know, I, I knew better. Looking back, and I'm in agreement with you as well. That Ecclesiastes seems to be towards the older Solomon, you know, the end of his life. Thinking, you know, I knew these things, and often, you know, I'm guilty of it myself. You do something, and kind of like I knew better when I did it. Shouldn't have. so, so the idea of the goads, right? It's it's the words of the wise man, and and this wisdom, the the instruction that I'm hearing, and what Solomon's trying to convey. Uh, to his listeners, obviously, us reading it even today, he said, "Let these correct you, right there." Mm. Uh, and I think about Hebrews chapter four and verse twelve. Uh, you know, the word of God sharpening a two-edged sword. You know, dividing the thoughts and intents of the heart. Even to that, you know, my desires. I can, I can, you know, do things and, and put on a face and say, "Yes, I'm a Christian and I'm doing this for God," but. You know, what are my, what are my real desires? What am I really trying to get at? So, you know, the Bible being able to correct that, but correctly maintaining that and in the back of my head, kind of hearing that, that words of wisdom uh, saying, yes, this is what I need to do. Uh, I thought also Proverbs 13, one, a wise son heareth his father's instruction. You know, like you mentioned, how many times maybe Solomon hear something, David, or, or maybe David had performed an act and he thought back on that. And looking at those words, then I happen to think about David even saying in Psalm one, one and two, right. His delights in the law, of the Lord he meditates it all uh, every day. So the idea there that, that, you know, if I'm meditating on God's word, these words of wisdom from, again, like you said, the inspired, we see that. And I'm not sure uh that from given from one shepherd, if you want to try to relate that back or not, I don't know. I've got mixed feelings about that, but, but the idea, uh, Of the inspiration there, that that these wisdom, you know, the words of wisdom, correcting me every day when I'm when I'm going through my life. But they're fastened there, like you said, they're they're dug in, just like your nail on the
0: board, going to correct
1: me because there they are.
0: That's a great point. And as you said that, you know, I thought, you know, tying this back to the to verse one of of chapter twelve. Remember also the Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of uh, which you will say i have no pleasure in them you, you go back to the the board illustration you know the 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 more bowed the board is the rougher it is to get nailed into to straighten out and and you and and you you tie this back to verse 1 you, and it, if this is, and this, again, this is just conjecture, but uh, I think there's, you know, validity behind it. If this is a regretful Solomon writing this at the end of his life, and, and it's, you know, I, obviously my desire that this is a, a penitent Solomon uh, before he died. Uh, straying so far from God, the further you, you you stray from God, the more work it is. To get back to where uh you should be rather than if you if from the days of your youth you remember god and you walk the straight and narrow from the days of your youth to the point that it becomes habitual later on in life there's less correction that has to be the straighter the board is the less it has to go through in order to be nailed uh to the post but the more boat it is the more it has to to work in order to become straight and so uh good point bringing that up Anything else on eleven? Uh, that's all I've got on eleven, bro. Verse twelve, my son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. What do you have there?
1: All right. Uh, obviously, circling by these. That's. Uh, I think that's important as we look. And it says in further by these. So, what is he talking about? The by these, obviously. These these writings again. We keep bringing this out, and again, it's such a great study when you read the book of Ecclesiastes. Like I said there's there's nothing that was withheld and withholding from uh, from Solomon, you know. And he says, by these, my son. Whoever's listening here, be warned." And that's what we're looking at um, now. The the making of many books. There's no end, and study is a weariness of the flesh. You know, we, I know, I think Brother Cates made mention of that, the weird, studying awareness of the flesh being at, at Memphis. Obviously, you know, you think about studying, but it, it seemed like the 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 things out in the world. I, I did a little looking in the, the uh, I think they call it the International Standard Book Number, uh, whatever that may be. But anyway... This number was given for the amount of self-help books that were given uh, throughout. So in 2014, there was almost 31,000 self-help books. Now, in 2019, that number has jumped to over a little over 85,000. So there's a ton of books out there, right? We can attest to that. So the making of many books, there's no end. Uh, The study uh, is weariness to the flesh. So, yes, studying man. You know what man may think, what what he uh, has an idea of how we need to be doing this stuff. Yes, but he says by these, my son. You know, like we I keep bringing out. I've been there, I've done this. Obviously, his wisdom uh, being inspired by God, and then writing these things. He said by these, my son. You know, be admonished, be warned, uh, because as we used to talk in my in the teenage youth class, you know, you would you get those kids and you say what would make you happy. You know, and it could be anywhere from a you set a close to a new car. And like you know, Solomon had, like you said, had all these things. So uh, are these really going to make you happy? So in that, you know, be warned that this stuff isn't going to make you happy. Uh, you may think that you're going to find pleasure in these things, uh, but you're not. Because ultimately, as as brought out in Ecclesiastes, the grave is the great equalizer. Right. No matter if you're a rich man, no matter if you're a poor man, uh, what you may have had in life. And I'm like you, Josh, I, I have not ever had a billion dollars or uh, think of it ever will. But the point is, he says, you know, buy these. Listen, I've been there. I've done that. Uh, so be admonished in this. So, again, uh, even looking back at the end of that, that phrase you may have as well. But Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse 18, uh, that, you know, knowledge is a weariness. Right. So when we go back and look at that and I, I couldn't help But think of a guy I went to school with in high school, that old saying, ignorance is bliss. And that's kind of the way he was. He didn't know a whole lot, but he was a happy fellow. But in verse 18, for in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increaseth knowledge increaseth increaseth sorrow. So much learning, much much studying like that. Uh, You know, you might find yourself in a position you didn't want to be in. So he's saying, buy these, my son.
0: Very good. I'm with you. Uh there are a couple of ways to look at especially the making of many books, there is no end. I agree with you. I do think there's a tone in the sense that if we're seeking uh the same benefit that the Bible gives us in secular writing, uh like the self help books, uh one, they're useless. Uh, because uh I remember the restoration creda. Uh, Credence during the restoration time. Uh, if anything says less than the Bible, then it doesn't say enough. If anything says more than the Bible, it says too much. Anything says exactly what the Bible says that's useless because we already have the Bible. That's the, the mentality they had. Right. And that's really you you kind of apply that to the self help books. Uh most of the time the value in a self help book is a biblical truth that they've just repackaged in a Uh, a different uh, format or different packaging, different wording and pushed it out as if it was their own. But the reality is just a biblical truth that man's reshaped to to their benefit. Um, There's also uh, a facet of this where especially that phrase, there is no end. Look at just culture today and let's just take cancel culture. Uh, because I, I say that just because Jennifer Aniston came out here recently and said she's tired of it and all that, um, welcome to the club. But yeah. uh, the point being is, is, is when you constantly give in to these things, uh, and, and this goes back to the thought of of speaking the truth, adhering to a moral standard. When you constantly give in to culture, what happens? It never, it never ends in that sense. You know you. You say this is unacceptable and you, you know, uh, we should accept this. And then what do they do? Well, you should accept this too. I mean, we're having a big issue with the gender, uh, the the views on gender in society today because in the past, it was given credence. Some, you know, it's never a gigantic jump from one thing to another. It's always a gradual process. And if we're gonna continue to find try and find the meaning of life through man written uh sources, well the meaning of life is constantly going to change because yeah. it it just moves yeah. with society. so I think there's a facet of that involved in it. One commentator said, uh Solomon is also saying, "Don't fall into the extremes the extreme on on one side being having no regard for wisdom whatsoever." And deeming it useless. But the other stream extreme is going so far in a zeal for study that you start to confuse simple truths. And, and we see that. Right. Uh, there are some things in the Bible that if a 12-year-old picked it up and read it from a, a good source, a good translation they'd be able to understand it the same way you and I would understand it. Even though we went through two years of extensive study, it's just, that's just the point the Holy Spirit was trying to get across. It's a simple truth. Yet how many people take those simple truths, Because how many scholastics and and educated people take those simple truths and make them far more confusing than they really should be because... Their, their zeal for study has gotten to that point that they got to find some new Romans 122 thinking themselves wise, they became fools. Right. And, and you look at, and we mentioned it earlier, the postmodernistic, uh, view of society today and what happens. I mean, it's, it's gotten to that point where people, uh, is it Nietzsche, I guess, I think therefore I am and yeah. And, you know, am I really here? And and you start to question, am I a reality or am I just a figment of someone's? You know what I mean? You just get to that point where you start thinking about something too much that the simple just becomes ridiculous uh, as far as your assumption. And I think there's part of that here, too, is 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 God's not a God of confusion. And I think when we get to that point where we start to confuse ourselves and some of these areas, these simple areas, and then we've probably gone too far in, in our study or what we're trying to do. So anything else on 12?
1: Yeah, just like I said, absolutely. All right, there, and there is no wind, like I said. I mean, if we want to start chasing that rabbit, uh, we can go a long way. But really, uh, and again, is what, we're, what we've kind of been discussing in that as well. I mean, here's Solomon. He's had, he's done it. He's seen it. He's had it all. And he said, listen, this is, and again, leading into what we're talk, fixing to talk about here in the next couple of verses, verses, uh, mm-hmm. keeping all that in context, you know, listen to this. You won't be warned by this. And uh, we'll bring out some more of that here in just a moment. But but yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, there's no end to it. And studying the weariness of the flesh, you just chased everything down
0: for sure. Yeah. yeah circle that word, no end, and then just tie a, a line down to verse 13. The yeah. end yeah. of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, every secret thing, whether good or evil. And uh, next to verse 13, I just put uh, chapter 1 and verse 2. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? And that's essentially as if Solomon sets out to answer that question. Mm Mm-hmm. And now here we come to the last two verses of Ecclesiastes, and he's just basically saying, here's your answer. The meaning of life, the purpose of life is not riches. It's not relationships. It's not notoriety. The end of matter is this. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. I underline whole duty of man and put Galatians, or I'm sorry, not Galatians, Genesis 1 and verse 26. Uh, Where God said, let us make man in our image. And then you go down to verse 31 when he he looks upon it all, everything after creation through day six, everything was good. But then he puts man and woman into his creation and he looks upon it and says it's very good. Uh, You know, you have people question, philosophers, what's the meaning of life? And they'll give you all these. This is it. Fear God. Keep his commandments, accept what it means to be human before the almighty god and and that's yeah. that's it and and this goes back to what we talked about earlier. Man makes the answer to that question uh extremely more difficult than it should be when the reality is Solomon answers it in a handful of words in the simplest, easy to understand manner. What do you have on there?
1: Yeah, same thing, right? Here's the grand conclusion. Like you said, here we, we've, we've been discussing all this through 12 chapters, Solomon kind of uh, going back over some stuff in his life, some decisions that he's made, and here it is. Here's the grand conclusion. Uh like said, fear God. It's interesting when you look at that, um, the fearing God uh, and I would be curious what you have on that is, or what your thoughts might be, but it appears, at least what I could find in the Hebrew, that it was actually like a Maybe not just just reverence, but also a fear. I noticed it was found back in Genesis three ten, uh, mm-hmm. Adam and Eve in the garden says I was afraid. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a, a Exodus one seventeen, the midwives feared God. So from that, and even in 2 Samuel six nine, when David's trying to transport the ark, it says David was afraid of the Lord that day. So right. again, a, an amount of respect uh, with the midwives and with David trying to transport the ark. But again. Almost in a sense of fearing, and, and Josh, I mean, I don't know, but it, and I know we're not supposed to be afraid of God, but I think in some ways the fear of God is gone out. Uh, you know, we we look at God as love, First uh, John four eight, and we think, well, he's he's love, he's going to love me. But when you think about that idea of fearing him and keeping his commandments, uh, you know, here we here we have. We need to show the respect, but in a sense of fear as well. And, and you'll see that. And I'm going to go. and apologize for jumping ahead to 14. No, you're right. Go ahead. Uh, because it's all going to be brought into judgment, right? We'll get into that a little bit more here in a minute. But, but fearing God, right? And I and I love keep His commandments. I couldn't help. We were talking a little bit here in some of our lessons, uh, Mark seven, uh, seven through nine, right? Uh, vain, vainly worshiping God, teaching for mm-hmm. doctrine the commandments of man. It's His commandments, and again, we get into that. Uh, kind of like what we've been hitting on as well uh, in the last verse. I can tell you what I think or believe or feel all day long, but but fear God and keep His. You might underline or box in His His commandments. You know that's what I want. Again, words of truth. This is what I'm wanting. This is what Solomon's trying to to give us uh, in this. But we want truth, right? That that higher standard. But it's the commandments. It's God's commandments. Um, and I know. uh you got the whole duty of man, but but mine has that italicized the duty. Mm-hmm. So you think of it like that: that this is the whole of man. This is it. Like you said, right. this. You if you want to know what about it, uh, this is it. Uh, fear God and keep His commandments. That's your whole duty, uh, for sure. Right.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because the duty is there. It's more accurately, you know, rendered right. from the Hebrew. This is the whole of man. Uh and I have this note at the bottom margin of my Bible the whole of humanity consists not in mortality or ignorance, but it's dependence on God. And yeah, and that's essentially good. uh what Solomon is saying here. And, and and I like the fact uh that you brought up the fear there because oftentimes when we look at fear we think of reverence. I respect him. Uh but I, I think within the context here, there is that it's the Greek word phoba, which is that where we get the, the English word phobia. So you arachnophobia, the the fear of spiders, scared, um frightening, not not reverence, but fright. And uh verse 14. and And really, I think fear here kind of depends on the state of mankind. Because if you're not in the proper, if you have not kept the commandments of God, like you said, Mark 7, you know, uh, vain worship, uh, teaching is uh, doctrine, uh, the traditions of men. Uh, if you're standing before God in that scenario, that's a frightening scenario. And and uh, that's one thing that, that is, should bring us fright, standing before God not prepared to answer on the day of judgment and and so I'm, I'm appreciate you bringing that up appreciate you bringing up that it is his uh, his commands uh, and verse 14 is the reason that's important if I was the one bringing every deed into judgment and every secret thing into judgment then my opinion would matter and what I say would actually mean something but I'm not that one I'm standing in judgment to be judged the way everyone else is therefore what I think What I feel, what I prefer goes out the window uh, because it's the one who judges uh, is the one who has the right to determine uh, what the commands are. Uh, And so I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, Every time I come across uh, the words, especially like this, for God will bring every, I just always circle words like every and all uh, in the passages because uh, every deed's gonna be brought into judgment. Every secret thing. That's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, and, you know, bad in the sense, obviously, if we're doing things we shouldn't be doing, whether people know about it or don't know about it, God knows about it. We're gonna have to answer for it if we haven't dealt with it properly. Uh, good in the sense that, uh, sometimes we don't receive credit or the due that we, uh, that some might think we should receive in, uh, good acts. Sometimes we do things that people don't realize. Sometimes we overcome temptation that uh, no one sees, but we overcome it uh, anyway. Uh, well, God sees it, and and that and that's the beautiful thing about this. If we're doing what we should, is that all that will be laid on our charge, uh, whether the world saw it or not. God saw it, and He's taking note of it. it he's not brushing over it the way you know maybe you and I would yeah he's taking note of it so what do you have what else you have on 14
1: yeah and that's it like like we're saying he's saying this is the whole duty so he goes back to verse one again remember the creator in the days of i youth. well why you no know, why should it be that i should just go through life and live you know the way i want to live no because again uh it's going to be all brought out and i really like uh how you brought it out there josh because I'm i'm guilty of it myself you know you think about the hidden things the secret things and typically uh, we try to point that out to individuals and say, listen, you know, everything, anything you think it might be done in the dark, you know, John 3, 19 through 21, the deeds done in the dark, they're going to be brought to the light and Second Corinthians five ten, you know, all going to give an account. So we, we may present that in a way and it, and it obviously needs to be presented that way that, um, you know, everything we're doing will be brought out, but it is important too. um, to point out the good, like you said, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes we may focus more on the uh, when when we're reading this, right? If a Christian's reading this and they say, "Well, you know, all those things that I did, uh, maybe a bad thing that I did," but all the good as mm-hmm. well, um, you know, obeying the gospel, um, confessing Jesus as Christ, you know, all these things. When we resist temptation, uh, James four seven through eight. Any time that I'm doing these things, like you said, uh, it's it's recorded. We're we're going to have that. Uh, you know, uh, I think too, when we give, like you said, I, 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 oftentimes, well, when you look at the Beatitudes, Ma- uh, Matthew chapter six, even verse three, first talking about don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing when you give somebody something. So like you said, really, if we're doing it the correct way, uh, we aren't looking for that praise. Mm-hmm. So like you said, when we don't get that and, and sometimes we don't get recognition, sometimes we don't need to, but God's taking note of that. So when we help an individual out, when we uh, do something like that and we don't get any credit and we don't, nobody makes an announcement on Sunday morning, but God knows. And that's important for us as Christians to remember, yes, every bad thing is going to be brought out as well, but all the good as well. We don't need to shy past that either.
0: That's a great point. Better be praised by God than praised by men. For exactly.
1: sure. There you go. Very good.
0: Do you have anything else?
1: No, I think that's about all.
0: That's, that's a great way to end it, uh, and I appreciate you bringing that. And I think you're absolutely right. I think uh, because we are uh, infallible uh, or fallible creatures, uh, finite in nature, sometimes we focus too much of the evil deeds being brought to judgment. Uh, but I think equally as important is understanding that judgment can be a joyous day because all the good deeds are going to be brought into it as well. And so uh, I, I, I preached a sermon on "It, it is well with my soul uh, a couple of weeks ago and just made the point based on that last verse, uh, judgment day. If you were to poll the world and say, hey, the world ends today, how do you feel about it? Most of them would be terrified. They'd be sad. They'd be angry and all that. Uh, but the, for the one who fears God and keeps his commandments, that's going to be a great day. It's going to be the sure. best day of our lives uh, in in reality. And so uh, I appreciate you bringing out that equally as important is the good things that are going to happen on judgment. Because I think we, you're right. We get too focused on the negative facet of judgment. Uh, there's a lot of good that's going to happen on judgment as well. So yep. excellent. Well, uh, Thank you, Ben. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, great study. Uh, great. Uh, definitely have some things that I'm going to end up marking in my Bible again. Uh, to our audience, thank you for sticking with us. Appreciate it. And again, like I mentioned earlier, like, share, subscribe, help this channel grow. Uh, we appreciate everyone who gives us the comments uh, and the feedback, um, good or negative. Uh, believe it or not, there has been some negative, and that's okay. Uh, with that, we are out. Thank you.